0: You're about to hear the 3CR Community Radio podcast of Ensychedelia. For more information on this show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Ensychedelia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook, Twitter, or find us on our website. Good afternoon and welcome to Ensychedelia for this Sunday afternoon, day after our federal election. And um, what what a... What a bizarre election that was. Um, we uh, have no particular result, no leader of the country right now, and it's looking to be a hung parliament with a collection of uh, politicians from all sorts of walks of life uh, representing Australia into the future. Some have even speculated that we might be looking at going back to the polls if a decision can't be reached about how leadership, will, how government will be formed in this country. So we're going to have a little bit of a chat about that and have a look at a couple of the parties that have picked up um, a fair bit of the vote, perhaps more than expected. Uh, have a look at what their uh, focus is uh, on drug policy areas, and I've just I've had a bit of a read, and it's um, it's interesting. I think um, the, the conversation has clearly uh, changed uh, some people's what what they see as moderate views, but um, it's starting to look a little bit more and more um, authoritarian in some ways, I mean, very um, uh, paternal in the approach. Anyway, but we'll be looking at that a little bit later. Um, uh, also. During the next week it is nidoc week and uh, 3CR will be broadcasting from a number of uh, a number of Victorian prisons and they are uh, we are celebrating 15 years of uh, live broadcasts in Victoria prisons so that starts on Monday and they're going to be at the Dame Phyllis Frost Center in Deer Park Tuesday in Geelong uh, Wednesday Gippsland uh Also in Castlemaine on Wednesday. Thursday, Laverton and Friday uh, near Geelong as well. So all across the state, 3CR will be broadcasting for NIDOC week. If you want more information, 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. Thank you, as always, to Freedom of Species, who were just on. They'll be back from 1 o'clock next week on 3CR. You can find their podcast at the website, also where you can find ours, 3cr.org.au, and follow the links to our program page. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, We've also got a website with um, little bits and uh, pieces of information here and there. It's also where you can get in contact with us uh, via email. And we do love to hear from you. Comments? feedback, critique, criticisms, uh, complaints, anything that you would like to say to us, or contributions. We're always looking for contributions from you, from the community, because we are here for you. So if you've got something you want to say, or if you've got some music that you make, or some art, some poetry that you want to show, or an event that you think we should be at, get in contact with us, uh, 3cr.org.au. Follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page and find us... Uh, so, up in this program, we are going to be talking some election. Uh, we're also going to be hearing from Rak Razam. Uh, Rak Razam uh, spoke at the Entheogenesis Australis uh, 10-year anniversary conference, or symposium, um, about uh, about full-spectrum consciousness. We're going to find out what he means by that a little bit later, and that's from one of the uh, YouTube videos. YouTube.com forward slash EntheoTV is the EGA uh, channel. Uh, we're going to get stuck into some news, I think. And psychedelic news of the week. I don't condone or advocate that everyone should use illicit drugs. I
1: think it's a, a huge decision made with the right amount of research and forethought.
2: The intention is to discourage ICE use. The actual effect is it encourages the stigmatization of people who use this drug. The risk there is people are less likely to disclose their use, even when they're experiencing some issues. So they're less likely to access essential health services. The potential for harm increases.
1: People feel hesitant to be open about who they are because they're afraid of judgment from family members or people at work or or just people in society uh, in general.
2: Many of them have conservative mindsets regardless of their politics uh, and will just say, oh well, then the the, the government are not looking after us and therefore it seems a law and order issue rather than a a social problem that needs to be dealt with
0: on, on a... Drug news from Melbourne and around the world. Ten people were arrested during raids in Nimbin over the past week. Uh, Police searched several properties in Nimbin, including a shed and a tent, allegedly seizing ice, MDMA, cannabis, uh, surprise, surprise, and um, some cash. The Reigns were part of a cross border operation with the Queensland Police, and onlookers noted that there were around 30 police and eight uh, dogs, sniffer dogs, as part of the operation, and it seemed like overkill in the small community. Uh, some people have also speculated online a little bit about uh, that happening in the week leading up to the election, as Nimbin is the uh, home of the Hemp Embassy and the uh, Hemp Party, uh, who ran a joint ticket with the Australian Sex Party to try and uh, get drug law reform on people's minds. Uh, the proposal before the TGA to legalise DMT for specific religious purposes is continuing to be investigated by the uh, Therapeutic Goods Administration. Dr. David Coldicott told SBS that DMT should certainly not be in the same class as a drug like methamphetamine and heroin. He says it could be argued quite vigorously that it has potential uh, through therapy to benefit and therefore doesn't belong in that class. And that class uh, being one that says that there is absolutely no... uh, health potential and a high risk of addiction. Uh, For anybody that knows uh, a little bit about DMT, high risk of addiction might be um, quite an absurd claim, but that's where it sits in terms of the law right now. Research into psychedelics, including DMT, is showing great potential. One study published this year in the journal Brain Research Bulletin by a team of Spanish researchers provided preliminary evidence that DMT shows promise as a therapeutic tool by enhancing self-acceptance and allowing safe exposure to emotional events. Uh, In the Journal of Psychoactive Drugs, Brazilian researchers analyzing existing ayahuasca studies called the collective results promising for reducing dependence and substance abuse but called for more controlled studies to replicate the preliminary findings uh, the findings that have happened around psychedelics so far just uh, to put it in context have been very small scale there's a lot of excitement around these studies obviously because it is a a, a field of uh, a field of research uh, that has been underlooked over the past uh, few decades uh, it's been stigmatized it's been thrown to the edges and now it's just Coming back, but they are small sc- studies, and you need much larger scale studies to really get some some results that you know are going to be uh, fairly consistent. And again, um, when they are using these psychedelic drugs in the in therapeutic context, it is um, a controlled setting. It is with a uh, medical professional. It's with people that really uh, know what they're doing there. So it is very different to uh, how people might uh, take a psychedelic substance uh, in a recreational context. Uh, researchers at the University of Melbourne are recruiting electronic music fans, uh, if you're listening, uh, for a study exploring the connection between cravings and (laughs) and this is from their Press release, this language, and the risky sounds of dance music. Neuroscience PhD student Kira Lee Musgrove said pleasure responses to music were generated by the same primitive part in the brain, the nucleus accumbens, sorry for any um, neuroscientists out there, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong, associated with highs from sex, drugs, or even chocolate. Uh, She said, "...in evolutionary terms, it makes sense that we would have a profound pleasure response to sex or food, but it's not so obvious why music also makes our spine tingle or our heart race." We're interested in why we don't just hear music, but why we also feel it in our bodies. Science doesn't really understand how the brain makes that leap from hearing to feeling. And she, she pointed out that um, there has been a little bit of research into, um, into uh, music, but largely it's focused on classical music and its response in people, which she pointed out is a little bit silly, considering most young people are listening to electronic music, not bark on a weekend. Uh, Ash has just walked in uh, to the studio. Ash, welcome after this busy week. <laughs> how are you Hi. feeling? <laughs> Oop, hang on. A little bit exhausted.
3: I just rollerbladed in here um, <laughs> from <laughs> what Coburg is this, North. This is the '80s. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I'm all retro today. <laughs> and um, how are you feeling? Ash, of course, ran for the uh, drug law reform party in the seat of Wills. Mm-hmm. Um, the results I've seen. Uh, are you happy with them so far? Can... Yeah. Look, it's about on
3: par with what I expected. For me, I thought if a thousand people give me their primary vote, that's fantastic. That's a thousand people that have you know signalled on their um, on their ballot paper that this is a really important issue for them. And um, and I think it's above a thousand, isn't it? Uh really? I'm not sure the latest count. Last I checked it was about we'll nine hundred. Um, we'll bring up the count shortly. Yeah, look, you know, and just the other people involved with the party, or you know, they kind of had a good showing. Um, Adriana Buccianti, who's been on the program before, she looks Um, to be the golden girl of the drug
0: law reform party. Yeah,
3: that's right. Because she, well, it's really interesting. She's got a lot of standing in her community, Mm. so she's been out and involved with things in her community for a long time. A lot of people know her, so I think her vote at the moment is something like three point three percent
0: or somewhere thereabouts. Yep, it's um, she's getting up to that four (laughs) percent quota that. Parties are always after to get some funding for next time. Um, I'll just quickly uh, finish off this story as well from the University of Melbourne. So they are looking for uh, electronic dance music uh, fans um, for this uh, for this study. They're looking for them by the 14th of July, uh, aged between 18 and 40. Um, and there will be more information about that on our Facebook page. Um, so do get in contact with her, and we're going to try and get in contact with her and find out more about this study because it uh, sounds like a pretty pretty interesting one. Um, now, do you have uh, news for us today as well, Ash? Or um- uh, I, well, because I came in a little <laughs> bit late today. Um, did you cover the drug
3: consumption room story? With um- no, no. Okay, drug consumption so rooms. it's come out this week. Um, Matt Knopf's and Alex Wodak, two well-known drug law reform advocates uh, in the community um, have come out talking about drug consumption rooms for um, crystal methamphetamine, ice. So they, uh, Matt Noffs had been over to Europe um, to look at drug inhalation rooms over there where it's been standard practice to have these kinds of rooms in conjunction with uh, safe injecting facilities. So there's a trend within drug using communities away from injecting drugs towards more inhalation, um, you know, with things like methamphetamine. So for the similar reasons for safe injecting facilities, they're advocating for a drug inhalation room and have said that they're just kind of going to do it anyway. They would prefer government support, but, um, Matt Noffs is like no this needs to happen mm. this is a thing that's essential for actually dealing with problematic drug use in the community
0: and we've seen we've seen uh, the the sort of response in New South Wales when you try and get uh, you know government help from these things they just turn it into a political issue and mm-hmm. put put people's um lives uh, more at risk than they already are but you know that's that's the whole uh, modus operandi of prohibition put people at more risk than they already are
3: Yeah, so Matt Noffs has also just recently released a a book called Breaking the Ice, which outlines his views on a pathway out of the problems of methamphetamine use in society, so... If you're interested in that kind of thing, it's probably a really good read in, in terms of people actually saying sensible things about dealing with methamphetamine use. Uh,
0: this one was a, a story that popped up in Reality Sandwich, which uh, does a, bu- a bunch of cu- a countercultural sort of uh, articles. And uh, this story was uh, from Carolyn... Mountain Girl uh, Garcia. She was known as Mountain Girl because uh, she she lived up in a hut in the mountain with the Mary. Uh, well, before she was with the Merry Pranksters, that's just the name they happened to give her. So, uh, she uh, has written a piece looking into the quasi mystical world of the Merry Pranksters during their 1960s heyday in the U.S. and tracing what happened after. Uh, the Merry Pranksters were a group of countercultural folk, including Ken Kesey, author of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and the band The Grateful Dead. The group traveled across the U.S. holding wild psychedelic field where they gave out LSD and experimented with audio and visual technology and different performance modalities. Uh, one of the tales Carolyn shares in her piece describes a night of chaos in Los Angeles. She says that, uh, so we got this uh, big break shop and it was empty and the floor was even clean. But that night, the only time this ever happened uh, was that a mistake was made in the Kool-Aid, which was the uh, drink that they made with uh, laced with LSD. Uh, there was a uh, mistake of quantity. There was a mathematical error and there was too much. So it really got wild in there. A lot of stuff happened and we had a lot of people really melting down. And we had Wavy Gravy, Hugh Romney at the time, walking around with a microphone. He would go around and find people down on the floor in a fetal position and get the microphone in their faces and say, Hey, come on, what are you doing? Um, And they would be saying, Oh, I need help over here. And then we would run that through the feedback loop. And then she laughs. And now Wavy Gravy is a countercultural entertainer who uh, has been active for many decades. Here's an excerpt from an interview he did many years ago on a campaign he was running around the U.S. presidential election at the time. I for
3: nobody. I'm with a nobody for president campaign nobody. because I believe nobody's perfect. Nobody keeps all campaign promises. Nobody knows you when you're down and out. Nobody bakes apple pie better than mom. And nobody should have that much power. If nobody wins, nobody loses. It's a pair of ducks. I work for nobody. I'm nobody's fool. Who you voting for? Uh, Who lowered your taxes? Nobody. Who legalized marijuana? Nobody. All right. Need I say more? Let's put him in office! For her, watch that sexist talk. I oh. am from Berkeley.
1: <laughs> oh, excuse me? What did you do in Berkeley? Uh,
3: in Berkeley, we ran for city council of the 5th District under the slogan, Let's elect a real clown for a change. And did you get elected? No, but we got over 2,000 votes, and getting elected wasn't exactly what we had in mind. I mean, there would have gone every Tuesday for a couple of years. Meanwhile, when Kesey, Ken Kesey came with his bus, and we loaded a hundred pieces of media on the bus and set out towards the water supply, I knew that I didn't have much to worry about. So, what kind of future
4: plans do you have for politics in? Just say no's. <laughs>
0: As a entertainer called Wavy Gravy, um, who um, was being wild at a LSD fueled uh, Merry Pranksters party in Los Angeles in the sixties. So. <laughs> yeah, I, uh,
3: I remember in my late teens. Um, this is the nature of the digital age. Um, reading all about the Merry Pranksters and the crazy acid fueled parties, the acid test parties that used to happen in California when LSD was still legal for mm. a few years before it was. Um, Criminalized. Well, there
0: was a real crackdown on the um, on the counterculture in particular, because although LSD uh, wasn't illegal at the time, it was certainly something that was being watched by the authorities, uh, especially since LSD was one of um, the CIA's uh, useful drugs in MKUltra, Ultra, the uh, infamous um, uh, uh, c- uh, mind control type experiments. Were we can call it a torture program. A tor- I think. It is. It was a torture <laughs> program, and it was a bizarre um, program. From everything that we read, there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of bizarre tales, and there's some speculation that MK Ultra continues to this day. Of course, we're not going to know about this, because these are covert operations. The entire point is to keep them secret for as long as possible. Um, but yeah, apparently it all stopped in the 50s and 60s, but... Oh, wow. Well, uh- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, How do we know such a thing? <laughs> Naomi Klein's
3: book, The Shock Doctrine, goes into a bit of that program, and it's insidious incarnations in Southern America, uh, Southern, yeah, South America in the Latin countries
0: throughout the 80s <laughs> so we're going to be um coming back uh shortly to talk election talk some more election um i've got the policies of two parties who uh uh look to be uh, potentially have a few having a few seats on the senate and they may be the ones that uh form the the uh the crossbench and uh, have you know that government is going to have to deal with so we've got their drug policies we're going to talk about that uh right now it's hugo the poet goodbye internet because uh he's living somewhere where it's um uh, very very difficult to get reception now so he's He's just said, goodbye internet, here it is, 3CR in psychedelia.
5: Hi, internet, yeah, hi. Look, um, I think we need to take a break. Yeah, it's not you, it's me. I mean, it's not me. Yeah, 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 internet You may or may not have noticed That I'm posting no links Uh. That I'm interacting a lot less Uh. No comments on your images or dank memes That's because my wife and I have moved out to the country Side and ride up high On the list of favourite things about our brand new life Is that we can't get mobile signal or get online It wasn't by design But since we spied the no signal sign It's been a source of pride and much delight So my habits are changing from this day on You won't see me in your feed Commenting with lame puns And I might be even slower to get on To your group thread or question Or to reply to a message if you send one. But you will be seeing an increase in poetic freestyles and rhythms of me in front of the camera, spitting over wilder rhythms. Right. Well, you might see it or not, that's depending on the algorithms. These stats won't grab my attention the way that I'll be living. I'll already be on to the next one. Right. Dedicated to a high rate of awesome composition and sustained high quality creation. Instead of this veteran obsessing, getting vexed and stressed and about a tip, to be getting ever better and better and better at right. figures of audience retention or growth in audience, more feet reach or lack thereof. That's the layers of this red job I don't even want to be aware of. Right. Algorithms trying to force you to pay for ads. And study the markets right. And that shit just doesn't fit With my arc as an artist So even though it was An accidental event yeah. Something we genuinely didn't plan Didn't expect And didn't intend yeah. The honest truth is That now we presents. present uh-huh. Yo, I couldn't be happier To be saying goodbye To the internet Goodbye Goodbye Internet, internet, goodbye So long, internet Try not to cry Too bad, so sad Sayonara, try your high. So long, internet, internet Goodbye 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 to my city old bear. Hello to surf the mycelial wear. <laughs> Goodbye to looking at few statistics Hello to looking at eucalyptus A city
1: neither small nor large Simply a normal community where people live together Work together and do things for each
5: other This is the story of what they have built Just, just any day Yeah, story. Check it. Yo, it's not that I hate the internet. Nuh-uh. In fact, it's the opposite. I love it with too much passion. Too so it becomes a shackle, a pattern about a distraction. But nine months of that shit has helped my recovery happen. Uh-huh. And my attitude is gratitude to all the family who <laughs> followed me here to check out this new chapter, brew. <laughs> and see this chapter renew my bond with all the, all the muses all I have used and ignored for so many years in dishonor. I'm and all the to cats are grappled with in combative spats in these comment wars. Oh. These awesome arguments have helped me get beyond the corridors and over the borders of trauma. Post traumatic stress disorder. Nah. We see an online space I can still belong uh-huh. to So all the so-called fairs just hating on the Direction that I'm walking in Y'all can eat a wheelbarrow full of orchardic Well all the people who remained unaware of all of this Who saw me disappear into a border of mist And thought to all intents and purpose I no longer exist I'm not surprised Because there's been No kind of support Or hint of sharing Of any of my solo links From my former clique But overall This has also helped me comprehend The illusory And transitory nature Of an audience And henceforth I know exactly The why and wherefore of this I know who I'm doing it for When I create a song Me, myself And my genuine followers Who help me along And especially My very precious patrons On Patreon Y'all are the best You've helped make me strong Oh, and there's one other Audience member as well That might seem strange Given the things that I tell But that audience member is the internet itself uh-huh. not the human participants but the AI that dwells yeah. inside and is the fetus of a deity that is set to rise. rise more on that later guys, for now, internet goodbye, goodbye <laughs> internet, internet goodbye, so long internet try not to cry, too bad so sad, sayonara, try your eyes so long internet, internet, goodbye ja. goodbye to my silly old web. Goodbye. hello to surfing the mycelial web hello. goodbye to looking at views statistics goodbye, hello to looking at You can live this, goodbye to social media walls and feeds, hello to wombats and wallabies, hello kookaburra chorus and cockatoo calls, Zuckerberg suck on my cockatoo balls. (laughs)
0: This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on digital and streaming at the website 3cr.org.au. Uh, my name's Nick, you're listening to Uh We're here with Ash uh, in the studio. Um, Ash, uh, obviously regular on the program, but also wearing his uh, drug law reform uh, candidate uh, hat, or ex-candidate now, I suppose, because um, the election has occurred. And we've also got uh, Robbie Swan uh, from the Australian Sex Party, but also uh, somebody that has been around uh, Australia's uh, counterculture for many years. Robbie, uh, welcome to Encyclopedia.
1: Nick, good morning. afternoon. It seems like morning,
0: but. <laughs> uh, it's been it's been a long uh, a long week. So it's been a long night. <laughs> let's get some uh, initial reactions. Um, uh, Robbie, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to know what to say with this election. Uh, what are your thoughts on what we've seen so far? Uh,
1: well, I think um, you know that uh, there's th- that the the new voting system that was uh, introduced uh, by the uh, Liberal Party and Nick Xenophon and the Greens. Uh, I think it's been shown to be just completely, you know, broken in a way. I mean, you know, they're all now saying that they've got a Senate that will be much worse to deal with than the old one. And I think this is the problem with, uh, you know, with parties trying to get a, you know, a better deal for themselves, which is what the Greens and the Xenophon and and the Liberal Party tried to do. They tried to get rid of the old Senate. uh, And, in fact, they've got a Senate that's much more difficult to deal with. Now... You know, so what are they going to try next time? Uh, you know, I just think that, um, you know, the more that parties try to screw down a voting system to benefit themselves, the worse the country is mm. for it. And they should have just left the damn thing alone and let it play
0: out. So the the results so far in the Senate, we're still going to have to wait a few weeks um, to see for sure what the Senate is, but it's looking like Victoria is going to be your usual collection of some Liberal, Labor and Greens, but also... It's looking like Mr Hinch, the uh, human headline who I met yesterday, who was running around with a, uh, a lady wearing a so, uh, holding a big sign and wearing a T-shirt and a guy madly photogra- uh, photographing him, um, is going to be uh, in the Victorian Senate. And um, who else? I, I think there's still a few undecideds there, but a lot of votes for One Nation. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, that was... Uh that was the interesting thing. Uh, I mean, you know, One Nation really haven't uh, run in an election down here for, you know, for quite a while, if ever. I don't, I don't even know that they ran in the nineties. I think they might have been, but uh, you know, they've they've come along. And I mean, you know, really, uh, One Nation have polled the same as uh, Animal Justice and, and the Sex Party. Mm. You know, from from a standing start, which you know raises some really interesting questions about. Uh, you know, racism and uh, intolerance and whatnot and how that's going to work out now. And I think that, uh, you know, with Pauline Hanson possibly getting two people in the Senate uh, along, you know, with, um, uh, you know, there were big, a big vote for Rise Up Australia, the, mm. you know, very intolerant uh, religious party and also from that, uh, you know, Alliance party, which was also that way. The I mean, Australian Liberty done, Alliance, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, all of those anti-immigration and, um, you know, intolerant parties have got quite a big vote, and even at the expense of some of the, uh, you know, the uh, the smaller parties with a more liberal approach. And I think that, uh, you know, everyone has to sort of take a step back from this and see what's happening here. And I think, you know, this community is becoming incredibly polarised.
3: Mm. I think that is a, a, a concerning development across a lot of cultures, you know. I don't, I don't know that there's easy answers for that. It seems, um, seems to be so Perhaps something. just democracy is messy, you know. <laughs> I, I guess that's just the way that it plays out when people... From different communities want to have their say on things.
0: So looking looking at um, some of the policies of some of the parties that might we might have to contend with, just keeping in mind as well that drug policies are largely a state issue, so the state elections are certainly going to um, say a lot more for drug uh, policy issues, and in Victoria we still do have an inquiry before Parliament which is um, gearing up to start very soon, and we might be seeing some change through that, but what the federal government uh, says and the people that are there uh, do have an effect because they can also organise into government. Governmental committees uh, and and push for certain directions in drug policy. And I'm having a look here at uh, One Nation's uh, proposals, um, and they've got a specific policy for the ice epidemic, which we all know is not a thing, um, because there there is no particular epidemic, and um, it's it's very much the hard law and order sort of approach. Um, they've got uh, mandatory uh, treatment, um, so that's essentially locking people away and saying, you know, you can't come out until you're not a not a dirty addict anymore. Um, that's more or less what uh, One Nation's saying there. Um, they've got. Sol- uh, Under under the uh, subheading Solutions for Dealers, they say extremely harsh penalties should apply to anyone selling ice. We know in practices that laws that are applied to ice are applied to all Schedule X drugs. Uh, It's not just ice. Whenever they um, make up excuses about we need harsher laws on ice, it also applies to things like cannabis, to things like LSD, uh, psilocybin, mushrooms, etc. Ice is a scapegoat. I think even if it
3: didn't, it would end up in a similar situation to what you have with crack cocaine and... And um, normal cocaine in the United States where there's a big sort of cultural and class segregation of the kind of people that end up um, being incarcerated for breaking those laws.
0: Here's one that's... um, uh Entertainingly disturbing. Uh, for each gram of ice sold, that should equate to a mandatory year in prison. Uh, this is, <laughs> again, One Nation and uh, Pauline Hanson's uh, thinking there. But um, uh, some really um, disturbing uh, directions in justice being taken. And it's the same um, that we've seen with with Darren Hinch as well. And I know uh, Darren Hinch um, has uh, run quite a, a high profile for a, for a minor party campaign over the past a couple of months, and um, I think he, he got a vote of over 100,000 primary votes. Was that, was that about right? I think it's sitting yeah. at about 6% or so, 5 or 6%. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean,
1: but the thing with, you've got to realise with Hinch was that uh, you know, he, was, he was actually supported by all his mates in the media. Mm. I mean, Channel 7 ran program after program after news broadcast about Hinch and completely ignored the other minor players. Uh, in fact, all of the commercial and the ABC channels covered Hinch to the detriment of many other minor parties that had, uh, you know, mu- you know, g- sort of uh, good policies on on uh, on drug law reform and stuff like that. Uh, and you've got to ask yourself that you know the media, you know, being complicit in electing these people. You know, this is the mainstream media. Well, I think the ABC really uh, and Channel Seven should hang their heads in shame over this because why would they give him any more? Um, you know, credibility than anyone else because he wasn't in the Parliament to start with. I mean, he'd come from a standing start, so he should have been given equal treatment with the others. But, of course... uh it's not the way the media works in Australia. It seems it like mainstream
0: anyway. Over my um, voting life, so since I was eighteen, it's only been about eleven or twelve years for me um, uh, voting. So I've only voted in a few federal elections. But it seems like we've um, we've gone down a more and more bizarre path over the years. Robbie, you've uh, had a, had a longer voting life than me. Is it is it getting stranger? What's what's going on? Uh, I, is it just because I'm young and I haven't seen these patterns happen, or is, are things getting a little bit more scrambled?
1: Oh, no, I think they are, and I mean, I I think that to a large extent that, uh, you know, this is uh, due to the fact that, you know, that the world's changed to a much more global community and also the internet is bringing people together in ways that it never did before, and so you've got this splintering of of votes, uh, you know, happening into, you know, people's much more strongly interested areas, and, uh, you know, I think the internet has a lot to do with that, and and I think that in many ways, if the voting system was to go online and... uh, and become a lot more easier for people, and instead of governments trying to get rid of parties so they don't have big ballot papers, if they simply just change the platform or the the way in which people are elected so that you could have more democracy or more parties and not less, that uh, those problems would be, um, you know, knocked on the head. But, uh, you know, we're still dealing with an electoral commission that uses fax machines that won't accept money from... People for deposits for their candidacy, except in the form of a friggin' bank cheque or cash. <laughs> you know, and like, so, you know, they're Luddites. I mean, the, the, you know, but it works to the benefit of major parties. And I think people are expressing a frustration with this by just sort of voting in, in, in strange ways. And I think this is going to happen more and more and more. And, uh, you know, that's what we should expect.
0: We had um, we had some reform of um, of the AEC that led to a, a, a different way that the Senate is uh, uh, is voted for and and um, and and the structure of it comes together. But still, we're using uh, pencils at the booth, which has been a bit of an issue that I've noticed pop up on social media a lot. Uh, people um, putting their uh, tinfoil hats on with the uh, pencils and going, oh, "I'm taking my pen because they can just rub it out and uh, change the votes." But it is it does seem a bit absurd that we are still voting the same way that we did. Uh, probably 40, 50 years ago, but technology has changed significantly. The world that we live in is a completely different one to 40 or 50 years ago, but we're still voting in the same way. Maybe um, maybe it's time for, for some electoral reform that's actually serious instead of uh, uh, sort of partisanly strategic. Hmm.
3: I think that's interesting.
0: Yeah. I think um, one of the other things that's kind of
3: happening with the major parties is this battle for the middle ground. It's always you know, seems to be this competition for middle Australia. And so anybody that has particularly strong values outside of that from different aspects of the political spectrum are getting on board with minor parties because their issues just aren't being addressed. There's not not that...
1: Yeah, I think that's that's right too. And, you know, I think that, that, look, as much as I don't particularly like Anthony Green's attitude to minor parties because he's dismissive of them. They make his life harder as a Um One of the things he did say when these new voting reforms came in was that uh, a lot of the minor parties on the different ends of the spectrum would have to form together and form alliances. Mm. Now, when you look at the results last night about what happened there with minor parties, I mean, if you took parties like Animal Justice, the Cyclist Party, the Drug Law Reform Party, the Sex Party, Hemp uh, Party, uh, you know, um, and a couple
0: science of others.
1: Science and Secular Party. Yeah, Secular Party, Science Party, yeah, even the Arts Party. I mean, all of those parties seem to me that they could live with each other's policies quite well. Mm. And I reckon it, if they were to form an alliance of some kind for the purposes of elections, uh, that they would have a combined vote of up around 7 and 8%, which is really enough. That would have been enough to take on the likes of Darren Hinch and people like that and win those uh, last seats, and I think that uh, that's something that uh, you know people in those parties need to think about over the next couple of years: is the possibility of forming an alliance. I mean, they can still keep their own party identities online and run their own parties, but when it comes time for an election, that they all move together and then they pick off different states and they work as a team, like a team of ants. Mm-hmm. You know, where everyone supports each, each other, even though it's not their particular area. You know what I mean? And I- uh, and that way, we could start to see some real changes for progressive parties, especially with drug policy.
0: It's it's something that's um, been sort of at the, uh, at the borderlands of the minor party discussion uh, that alliances need to be formed because there's so many single issue parties but the people that are in those parties often support the policies of other single issue parties so uh, a progressive alliance does seem to be the sort of common sense idea, however then we've got to wrangle with a whole bunch of egos and a lot of political hubris, <laughs> so that's the hard part I think Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well
1: Wait, wait. I think parties do that anyway. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you that's know, a good but, point. You know, they do that anyway, uh, you know, within your own party. I mean, it's just like herding cats. Yes. Uh, but but you do it. And, uh, you know, that's why I think that this could be, uh, you know, quite an interesting uh, way to go forward. And also, you know, to challenge, I think, the, um, you know, the, the, the policies and the way in which the Greens have... Uh, have worked this election as well. I mean, I I think we need to dispense with now the uh, handing out leaflets on the booths and putting bunting out around those polling booths because the Greens performed appallingly in this election. They sat with cars like Nazi staff cars outside the polling booths when they papered them. Yeah, well, I think you were out there, Nick. Uh, Uh, Yeah,
0: I was was out there. There were... um, uh, I mean, it was shrink-wrapped around Melbourne, green shrink-wrapping. They had a very, uh, at their words, high-profile campaign. Um, They wanted to make sure that Adam Band was re-elected. And it looks like Alex Batal is is a likely contender for a lower house seat, um, so a second green in the lower house. Um, They wanted to get that profile out there, and they did it in an incredibly um, uh, aggressive marketing um, sense, I I think is probably fair to say uh especially for anybody that was um around the Melbourne electorate uh yesterday voting you would have noticed a significant green presence <laughs> mm. now one of the uh one just just finally before we um uh move on to uh other things uh, i had a look at nick Xenophon's drug policies as well because the uh, Xenophon team looks to have uh, i think 3 possibly 4 are we looking at um, Senators? Did I see a lower house as well, potentially? There's, Mayo's
3: probably gone yeah. to the Xenophon team, yeah. and they're um, still in contention for the seat of Grey, I think it is, so possibly two lower house for the Xenophon two?
0: team. Two, jeez. So, the Xenophon team, I had a look at it, um, actually looks relatively reasonable. Again, we do have that um, paternalistic health approach um, that seems to be the new sort of drug narrative. At least it's not criminalization anymore, but um, it is. Uh, there are still things like mandatory rehabilitation, which we uh, know is something that uh, research shows that it's it's not something that works particularly well um, it's something that uh, along with anything that you push people into trying to fix something it generally backfires and there's a high recidivism rate etc etc but uh, they want to treat personal drug use as primarily a health issue rather than criminal um, with well funded rehab programs they have noted mandatory rehab in there as well um, they want to focus on minimising addiction in the first place uh, explore innovative ways to disrupt and minimise the drug business model, enable the ability of the public to simply and safely inform on dealers. So there's a bit of this sort of mm. uh, dob in a dealer uh, rhetoric going on there. Um, and more resources resources put into prevention and rehabilitation. Um, now, I, I think it, it's probably better rhetoric than what we hear from those that are just seeking criminalisation. Uh, but uh, on uh, prevention and rehabilitation, uh, we also need to have that acknowledgement that not, not all people that take drugs need to be rehabilitated uh, or need to be even prevented, and that's a, a controversial thing to suggest mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah well, I think that uh oh, sorry mate, Go on no
0: you
3: go Robbie
1: I was just gonna say that uh you know still neither Nick xenophon nor the greens have a policy to uh legalize recreational cannabis
3: mm. and
1: you know it's just the most really appalling situation that uh you know that both of them put themselves forward as being you know civil libertarian and sort of uh you know, uh, sympathetic to uh, you know uh, people who, you know, change their consciousness, you know, at their own will, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, they they don't have that. They have the same policy as the National Party has, or the Liberal mm. Party on uh, on cannabis, and uh, you know, I, I, I just wonder how long it's going to take for them to actually adopt that. In fact, I don't think they will. Um, mm. You know, at the end of the day, the Greens are now the party of doctors. I think they had something like 10 doctors running in this this election. And, uh, you know, doctors are a very conservative uh, um,
0: cohort. Mm. Robbie, thank you for joining us on In Psychedelia today to have a look at uh, the state of Australia's politics for the future. Suspect we won't know exactly what's going to be going on uh, until another couple of weeks away. But, Robbie, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks, guys. Yep, see you. Bye-bye. All the best, Robbie.
0: And um, we've got Rakrazam speaking full-spectrum consciousness uh, from the Entheogenesis Australis uh, 10-year conference uh, straight up after this on 3CR. This is in Psychedelia.
4: happy birthday to EGA for turning 10. It's been an amazing achievement and uh, the backbone of the Australian psychedelic and entheogenic community to help us to magnetise and find each other and come together and have these amazing opportunities to discuss discuss issues around psychedelics, entheogens and transformation. So I'm going to jump straight into it because I've got 20 minutes to sort of uh, give a bit of a a brief overview of a lot of my thoughts over the years on where the shamanic resurgence and psychedelics are all coming from. As psychedelics are cautiously re-embraced back into the medical fold, what are their other social and co- conscious and spiritual potentials? Are the man-made psychedelics psychic lubricants that have made possible the distributed consciousness of the 21st century? Are these substances meant to reconnect us to nature at a time when material-based consciousness has ecologically devastated the planet? Can strategic immersion into a multidimensional hyperspace help change the world? And can we use altered states as a form of psychedelic activism? Can we achieve full spectrum consciousness in the face of the military industrial entertainment complex's subjugation of life as we know it? How can we not, I say to you? Okay. So uh, it may seem strange to start a discussion about the potentials of psychedelics by uh, discussing the military, but in a holistic sense, I believe there is a counterpoint between the two. Uh, essentially the military is the inheritor of the dominator hierarchy that has suppressed the natural plant psychoactives for many centuries now and the earth-based cultures which have uh, worshipped the earth as the mother as an alive uh, animus sort of um, being. It's this same mechanistic consciousness that has seen the planet plundered and poisoned and treated as a resource to be used and taken from uh, as all species are subjugated to the artificial drives of the economy. Um, That's the bad news, uh, basically, the uh, as you'll see here, the Joint Vision's 2020 program is something the American military has been uh, running with for the past decade or so. It uh, it's a doctrine under which the military is looking to um, to inhabit different different uh, areas of being, whether that's land, sea space, cyberspace, information space, or I would posit shamanic space or consciousness itself, as each platform or medium of existence comes into being, the military's response to it is to dominate it and to dominate it to control the objectives uh, of its empire. So as you would know, the medicalization of psychedelics is also back on the agenda. Uh, Mainstream news sources all across the world have been very uh, eager to jump onto the bandwagon in a sense and to report on some of the medical breakthroughs and legal scientific tests that are being done all around the world. There are organisations like MAPS which have been pioneering these legal studies and uh, with a multitude of psychedelic substances to treat things like uh, anxiety with late stage cancer patients, uh, cluster headaches with LSD uh, and MDMA to cure PTSD amongst other things. Now, the medicalisation of psychedelics is much needed. It's something which uh, was originally uh, happening in the 1960s before LSD was banned. And it is something which uh, is really necessary in our culture. But it's one component, one frequency within a larger spectrum of of, uh, consciousness itself. And I believe that the reason why the uh, permissibility is happening in our culture to have these, these tests happened again with organisations like MAPS is basically because uh, the top of the hierarchy needs it to happen. There's a release valve in these things which is necessary for their control of the culture and of the dominant paradigm. Uh, the US government acknowledges there's a crisis with over 22 veterans a day committing suicide, often because of war-related PTSD. And MAPS's studies have shown that uh, MDMA in particular Uh, is proven up to 83% effective to uh, help cure treatment-resistant PTSD. So just on that level alone, we can see that uh, the uh, absorption of psychedelics and some of the shamanic sacraments is happening again in our culture, but you've got to ask some deeper questions. The shadow side, I would say, is that the Pentagon and the military industrial entertainment complex uh, can only be trusted to turn everything it touches into a tool or a weapon. Uh, for its own ego-driven ends. The military, in synergy with the corporations and the elites that own them, see the subjugation of nature herself as a resource and inevitability. As with the current global political situation, as it it turns decidedly Orwellian, uh, can we really trust Big Brother to do the right thing and only use medical psychedelics for the power of good? Uh, I would doubt that. With the Zeitgeist now hungry for planetary revolution, are the powers that be now ready for a psychedelic soma for the masses? Are the soldiers of tomorrow about to expand their full-spectrum dominance campaign into the realm of consciousness itself? And if so, what might the gamut of full consciousness do to this ego-action control bandwidth of the military paradigm? The answer to that depends on what you believe the full potential of psychedelics and earth-based entheogens really is. Uh, They're not just medicines for the physical body, They are also uh, medicines for the emotional body and for the soul, as the shamanic and indigenous peoples tell us. For instance, if you look at studies by uh, Dr. Charles Grobe at the UCLA in America, uh, he has found that psilocybin reduces anxiety in terminal cancer patients. Uh, There's been also separate studies that followed up the infamous Good Friday experiment in 1962, which was uh, looking at divinity students in Harvard and showing that psilocybin can engender a mystical experience and a sense of oneness. Uh, These experiments are a bit different from the normal physical medical modalities. And it gets into the realm of the numinous and it edges into spirituality. Um, It seems that the use of things like psilocybin to reduce anxiety in cancer patients is actually uh, because of this spiritual component. It's because it's calming them down and connecting them to a larger facet of their own being and of rediscovering their own spirituality. So these things are not just physical medicines. They also have larger potentials. Now, these potentials are very important as they uh, come back into the Western understanding at this time. We can all sense we face a great challenge in the world today as the climate changes, the seas rise, economies, governments and whole nation states are threatening to crumble around us and the old ways we have governed ourselves with, the hierarchies of power and control that we have, war by war and crisis by crisis, given our power away to, uh, no longer serve us as a people. What we are left with then in the end is what nature first gave us our minds, our hearts, and our ability to adapt. And at the root of so many of these uh, current global problems lies the issue of consciousness itself. For too long we've been told to give over our intuition, to sacrifice our feelings, and to suppress the pain we feel all around us in the way that we live on this world, the way we treat each other, and the way we treat the planet herself, our mother. For too long we've been living in denial, or in grief or rage, and carrying this trauma as uh, the sickness that our consciousness has created in the world. So this reconnection that is happening at the moment uh, is being directly facilitated by the psychoactive plants, by the entheogens uh, that are booming in the shamanic resurgence around the world. Now, these entheogens are said to invoke the divine within, but they also remind us of the world without, without that we are embedded in. As the late great Terence McKenna said in Food of the Gods, one possibility is that some of these compounds may be exothermones, these uh, chemical messengers that do not act uh, along the members of a single species but instead act along species lines so that an individual influences members of a different species. Some exothermones act in a way that allows a small group of individuals to affect a community or an entire bio. Nature might be an organism whose interconnected components Act upon and communicate with one another through the release of chemical signals in the environment. McKenna continued to say, hallucinogens function as interspecies chemical messengers. The dynamic of the close relationship between the primate and hallucinogenic plant is one of information transfer from one species to another. Where plant hallucinogens do not occur, such transfers of information take place with a great slowness. But in the presence of hallucinogens, a culture is quickly introduced to ever more novel information sensory input and behavior and is bootstrapped to higher levels of self-reflection he calls this the encounter with the transcendent other and the other is you know nothing uh, greater than well essentially nature herself you know the, the greater other is another aspect of ourselves now i believe that this process of uh, integration with the other or with nature is something that we have uh, been doing almost for as long as we've been moving away from her. Since the Industrial Revolution and since all these technological breakthroughs which distance ourselves from the planet and uh, reduce us down to living in cities and in grids and in boxes and away from the natural flows of energy of the Earth, we've forgotten the mother and we've forgotten the original primal matrix that we are embedded in and now it's recognised us when we're in these experiences as the other. But uh, it's, it's never gone away. As we have uh, you know, climbed the ladder of, of culture and created the hierarchies that we have, the, the, the network of nature itself has remained what we are embedded in. And I believe that as we see with the plant sacraments, with the psychoactives, when they engage with us in this interspecies symbiosis, there's not just information transfer going on, there's intelligence going on that's independent of us, that uh, points to you know, Gaia as an intelligent organism. And she has been trying, I believe, to get us to come back into right relationship with her. And she's been trying for as long as the plant antigens have been around. And when we have fallen out of balance with the earth into the city hierarchy uh, type modalities, she had to find another way to connect with us. And uh, before we could go back to the garden and the great green web of nature herself, nature had to get past the white picket fence of suburbia. And so she went to the lab. April 16, 1943, Basel, Switzerland, Albert Hoffman. LSD. Like wind on water, you can't see the thing itself, but you can see the waves and the patterns that LSD has made in Western culture. Beyond the lurid hippie headlines, the LSD revolution has spawned a slew of breakthroughs that helped American business. It birthed a creativity revolution that got the USA ahead in the idea stakes And there are key uh, reports from many people involved in the computer revolution from the 1960s onwards who use psychoactive substances like LSD. There seems to be a direct relationship between the uh, disassociated or non-linear states that psychoactives can engender and our ability uh, through science and through technology and these, these creative endeavors to ground that into not just our technologies, but into our new world paradigm. There's a quote from uh, Jaron Lanier, one of the pioneers of uh, virtual reality, who says, almost to a person, the founders of the computer industry were psychedelic-style hippies. Within the computer science community, there's a very strong connection to to this environment. So uh, this idea of a larger intelligence or a natural evolutionary surge in nature itself is not just a romantic one. It seems that there is a uh, a whole system sort of dynamic going on in this. I ask you, you know, is this evolutionary surge in nature working behind the scenes, facilitating non-linear data flows of information that would one day link us together beyond the physical, data tribes webbed by silicon by that other great alchemical miracle, the internet? Is the global mind shaping the infrastructure for the global brain, strategically turning on and off species with these psychoactive substances? If you think of it, the modern 21st century has all these amazing technological breakthroughs, and what are they doing to our consciousness? We now have things like cloud computing, we have like distributed you know, networks, we have social media feeds, we're all of us on screens, we're all of us occupying our consciousness split. It's no longer in this linear framework of like one, two, three, four. We're doing 100 million things at once, and we're connecting to each other in this larger tribal sort of uh, modality through our technology. And so it seems to be we couldn't have done that in the 1950s. We had to go through these successive generations of consciousness expansion for us to actually ground the ability to have distributed consciousness in the 21st century. In his book, Mycelium Running, author and mycologist, Paul Stamens, makes a direct allusion between the mushroom mycelium network, the dense network of information sharing systems that form the internet, and the neuronal networks in the brain itself all seem to be forms of nature expressing herself on different levels. Or as Stamen says, I believe that the mycelium operates at a level of complexity that exceeds the computational powers of our most advanced supercomputers. I see the mycelium as the Earth's natural internet, a consciousness with which we might be able to communicate. So we can see uh, a lot of potentials in this idea of, uh, you know, network-centric uh, organisms evolving on the Earth through a technological uh, platform in the same way we do in nature, in the way that the relationships that happen uh, between the plant kingdom, between the fungi kingdom uh, and, you know, with uh, the mycelium networks. Interestingly enough, science has been looking at uh, uh, psilocybin use in some of these studies that MAPS and other organisations have been pioneering recently. And the latest functional magnetic resonance imaging or fMRI um, uh, tests have shown that psilocybin actually acts as a reducing valve for what Algis Huxley called the mind at large. Amanda Fielding, the director of the Beckley Foundation in the UK, said that uh, her team looked at the brains of subjects as they received an intravenous dose of psilocybin. Uh, The research showed that it decreased blood flows to specific regions of the brain that act as connector hubs, where information converges and where it is disseminated. Uh, these hubs are basically called, these regions of the brain, they're calling the default mode network. And the default mode network, when it's switched off, it, it, when it's on, it actually <clears throat> facilitates the, the uh, capacity for ego, the capacity for that sense of identity or I. And so when things like psilocybin, and I've done these tests with ayahuasca as well, the current theory in neuroscience is that the psychoactives are switching off these uh, network hubs or the default mode network. And then once the default mode network is off, what is being released is not this substance itself, but our own mind's ability to connect to these larger reservoirs of consciousness itself, this more full spectrum idea.
0: That was Rak Razam on uh, spectrum consciousness at Entheogenesis Australis in. Uh, uh, A a few years ago now, it was their 10-year anniversary. If you want to watch that whole video, youtube.com forward slash EntheoTV is the place to find it. We're nearly finished for the day, but there are some things we'd like to tell you about first.
3: So next weekend is the Australian New Zealand Students for Liberty Conference. Um, I'll be speaking at 3 o'clock on the My Body, My Choice panel with Fiona Patton um, on cognitive liberty and how that relates to drug use. You can find
0: tickets online and they're only $12 at the door or $10 online. And um, there was another another thing um, that we were going to talk about. Was there? Oh, dear. <laughs> I've well, forgotten I, it. Well, I, I want to say a few thank yous. Uh, so. Yes, thank yous.
3: Um, yeah, people that helped me out in my campaign, people that voted for me, and everybody that participated in the electoral process, everybody that handed out flyers, volunteered, and went out there to make democracy happen. Good job.
0: Uh, Also, happy birthday to the Yarra Drug and Health Forum, uh, who had their 20th birthday or 25th? It was
3: the 20th, 20th
0: birthday uh, celebrated on Monday night, and you were there. It was a good celebration?
3: Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. They had Professor Pennington as the keynote speaker, and he's the person in Victoria that's been doing this kind of drug law reform stuff for many years. He wrote several reports on marijuana decriminalisation back in the 1980s, so he covered a bit of um, drug policy history globally. And in Australia. And then they had a panel discussion with some of the former directors of the Yarra Drug and Health Forum and really gave the context to um, that organisation, how it sat within. Uh, the historical context of how it came to be and how it serviced that community and continues to do so. And, of
0: course, Greg Denham joins us regularly uh, with news from the uh, Drug and Health Forum. That's about uh, uh, it for us today. Thank you to Robbie Swan, who joined us on the program earlier. Ash, of course, thank you to you. Uh, and thank you to you for li- listening at home. Uh, the podcast is at 3cr.org.au forward slash psychedelia. Just follow the links to the uh, program page if you can't spell it. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Get in contact with us. We'll be back 2pm next week. Queering the Air is up next on 3CR Community Radio. See you later.
2: This is in psychedelia. Comments, complaints or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website. 3cr.org.au and head to the Enpsychedelia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email. Enpsychedelia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In psychedelia, we'll be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday.
0: You've been listening to Encyclopedia, a 3CR community radio podcast. For more information on anything you've heard in this program, head along to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page.